chapter sixteen of love affairs of the courts of europe this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by betty b love affairs of the courts of europe by thornton hall chapter sixteen bianca grand duchess of tuscany more than three centuries have gone since florence made merry over the death of her grand duchess bianca it was an occasion for rejoicing her name was bandied from lips to lips la pessima bianca jeers and laughter followed her to her unmarked grave in the church of san lorenzo but through the ages her picture has come down to us as she strutted on the world's stage in all her pride and beauty with a vividness which few better women of her time retain it was in the year fifteen forty eight when our boy king the sixth edward was fresh to his crown that bianca capello was cradled in the palace of her father one of the greatest men of venice senator and privy councillor as a child she was as beautiful as she was wilful the pride of her father the despair of his wife her stepmother her little head full of romance her heart full of rebellion against any kind of discipline or restraint before she had left the schoolroom capello's daughter was by common consent the fairest girl in her native city with a beauty riper than her years tall and with a well-developed figure of singular grace she carried her head as proudly as any queen her fair hair fell in a rippling cascade far below her waist her face hands and throat we are told were white as lilies save for the delicate rose colour that tinted her cheeks her eyes were large and dark and of an almost dazzling brilliance and her full pouting lips were red and fragrant as a rose such was bianca capello on the threshold of womanhood as you may see her pictured to-day in bronzino's miniature at the british museum with a loveliness which set the hearts of the venetian gallants aflutter before our shakespeare was in his cradle she might if she would have mated with almost any noble in tuscany had not her foolish wayward fancy fallen on pietro bonaventuri a handsome young clerk in salviati's bank whose eyes had often strayed from his ledgers to follow her as in the company of her maid the senator's daughter took her daily walk past his office window at sight of so fair a vision pietro was undone he fell violently in love with her long before he exchanged a word with her and although no one knew better than he the gulf that separated the daughter of a nobleman and a senator from the drudge of the quill he determined to win her youth and good looks such as his with plenty of assurance to support them had done as much for others and they should do it for him how they first met we know not but we know that shortly after this momentous meeting bianca had completely lost her heart to the knight of the quill with the handsome face the dark flashing eyes and the courtly manner other meetings followed secret rendezvous arranged by the duenna herself in return for liberal bribes to keep which bianca would steal out of her father's palace at dead of night leaving the door open behind her to ensure safe return before dawn on one such occasion so the story runs bianca returned to find the door closed against her 
by a too officious hand she dared not wake the sleepers to gain admittance that would be to expose her secret and to cover herself with disgrace and in her fears and alarm she fled back to her lover however this may be we know that for some urgent reason or other the young lovers disappeared one night together from venice and made their way to florence to find a refuge under the roof of pietro's parents here a terrible disillusion met bianca at the threshold her husband for on the runaway journey pietro had secured the friendly services of a village priest to marry them had told her that he was the son of noble parents kin to his employers the salviatis the home to which he now introduced her was little better than a hovel with poverty looking out of its windows here indeed was a sorry homecoming for the new-made bride daughter of the great capello there was not even a drudge to do the housework which bianca was compelled to share with her bucolic mother-in-law it is even said that she was compelled to do laundry work in order to keep the domestic purse supplied her husband had forfeited his meagre salary she had equally sacrificed the fortune left to her by her mother sordid grinding poverty stared both in the face to return to her own home in venice was impossible so furious were her father and stepmother at her escapade that a large reward was advertised for the capture of her husband alive or dead and a sentence of death had been procured from the council of ten in the event of his arrest more than this a sentence of banishment was pronounced against pietro and bianca the maid who had contrived at their illicit wooing and flight paid for her treachery with her life and pietro's uncle ended his days in a loathsome dungeon such was the vengeance taken by bartolomeo capello as for the runaways they spent a long honeymoon in concealment an hourly dread of the fate that hung over them it was well known however in florence where they were in hiding and curious crowds were drawn to the bonaventuri hovel to catch a glimpse of the heroes of a scandal with which all italy was ringing thus it was that francesco de medici first set eyes on the woman who was to play so great a part in his life there could be no greater contrast than that between francesco de medici heir to the tuscan grand dukedom and the beautiful young wife of the bank clerk now playing the role of maid of all work and charwoman it is said that francesco was a madman and indeed what we know of him makes this description quite plausible he was a man of black brow and violent temper repelling alike in appearance and manner he was we are told more of a savage than a civilized human being his food was deluged with ginger and pepper his favorite fare was raw eggs filled with red pepper and raw onions of which he ate enormous quantities he drank iced water by the gallon and slept between frozen sheets he was a man moreover of evil life familiar with every form of vicious indulgence his only redeeming feature was a love of art which enriched the galleries of florence such was the medici half ogre half madman who riding one day through a florence slum saw at the window of a mean dwelling the beautiful face of bianca bonaventuri and rode on leaving his heart behind here indeed was a dainty dish to set before his jaded appetite the owner of that fair face with the crimson lips and the black flashing eyes must be his 
on the following day a great court lady the marquesa mondragon presents herself at the bonaventuri door with smiles and gracious words bearing an invitation to court for the lady of the window impossible bluntly answers signora bonaventuri her daughter-in-law has no clothes fit to be seen at court but persists the marquesa that is a matter that can be easily arranged it will be a pleasure to me to supply the necessary outfit if the signora and her daughter-in-law will but come to-morrow to the mondragon palace the bride when consulted is not unwilling and the following day in company with her mother-in-law she is effusively received by the marquesa and is feasting her eyes on exquisite robes and the glitter of rare gems among which she is invited to make her choice a moment later francesco enters and with courtly grace is kissing the hand of his new divinity then followed secret meetings such as marked bianca's first unhappy wooing in venice hours of rapture for the tuscan duke of flattered submission by the runaway bride and within a few weeks we find bianca installed in a palace of her own with francesco's guards and equipage ever at its door while his newly made bride giovanna archduchess of austria kept her lonely vigil in the apartments which so seldom saw her husband francesco indeed had no eyes or thought for any but the lovely woman who had so completely enslaved him as for her condemn her as we must much can be pleaded in extenuation of her conduct she had been basely deceived and betrayed on the one side was a life of sordid poverty and drudgery with a husband for whom she had now nothing but dislike and contempt on the other was the ardent homage of the future ruler of tuscany with its accompaniment of splendour luxury and power a fig for love ambition should now rule her life she would drain the cup of pleasure though the dregs might be bitter to the taste she was now in the very prime of her beauty and a queen in all but the name between her and her full queendom were but two obstacles her lover's plain unattractive wife and her own worthless husband and of these obstacles one was soon to be removed from her path pietro who had been made chamberlain to the tuscan court was more than content that his wife should go her own way so long as he was allowed to go his he was kept very agreeably occupied with love affairs of his own the richest widow in florence cassandra borghiani was eager to lavish her smiles and favours on him and the knowledge that two of his predecessors in her affection had fallen under the assassin's knife only lent zest to a love adventure which was after his heart warnings of the fate that might await him in turn fell on deaf ears when his wife ventured to point out the danger he retorted if you say another word i will cut your throat the following night as he was returning from a visit to the widow a dagger was sheathed in his heart and pietro's amorous race was run such was the end of the bank clerk and his eleventh-hour glories and love adventures now only giovanna remained to block the way to the pinnacle of bianca's ambition and her health was so frail that the waiting might not be long giovanna had provided no successor to her husband who had now succeeded to his grand dukedom if bianca could succeed where the grand duchess had failed she could at least ensure that a son of hers would one day rule over tuscany thus one august day in fifteen seventy six 
the news flashed round florence that a male child had been born in the palace on the via maggiore francesco was in the seventh heaven of delight here at last was the long-looked-for inheritor of his honours the son who was to perpetuate the glories of the medici and to thwart his brother the cardinal who had so confidently counted on the succession for himself and madame bianca professed herself equally delighted although her pleasure was qualified by fear she had played her part with consummate cleverness but there were two women who knew the true story of the birth of the child which had been smuggled into the palace from a florence slum one was the changeling's mother a woman of the people whom a substantial bribe had induced to part with her newborn infant the other was bianca's waiting woman these witnesses to the imposture must be silenced effectually hired assassins made short work of the mother the waiting-maid was left for dead in a mountain pass to which she had been lured but she survived long enough at least to communicate her secret to the grand duke's brother the cardinal ferdinand de medici bianca was now in a parlous plight at any moment her enemy the cardinal might betray her to her lover and bring the carefully planned edifice of her fortunes tumbling about her ears but she proved equal even to this emergency taking her courage in both hands she herself confessed the fraud to the grand duke who not only forgave her so completely was he under the spell of her beauty but insisted on calling the gutter child his son the tables however were soon to be turned on her for giovanna who had long despaired of providing an heir to her husband gave birth a few months later to a male child florence was jubilant for the grand duchess was as beloved as her rival was detested and the christening of the heir was made the occasion of festivities and rejoicing bianca's day of triumph seemed at last to be over for a time she left florence to hide her humiliation but within a year she was back again to be received with open arms of welcome by the duke during her absence she had made peace with her family and when her father and brother came to florence to visit her they were received by francesco with regal entertainments and sent away loaded with presents and honours bianca had now reached the zenith of her power and splendour before she had been back many months the grand duchess died to the undisguised relief of her husband who hastened from her funeral to the arms of her rival her position was now secure unassailable and before giovanna had been two months in the family vault bianca was secretly married to her grand ducal lover florence was furious but what mattered that the venetian senate had recognized bianca as a true daughter of the republic she was the legal wife of the ruler of tuscany she was grand duchess at last and she meant all the world to know it that she was cordially hated by her husband's subjects that the air was full of stories of her extravagance her intemperance and her cruelty gave her no moment's unhappiness for eight years she reigned as queen wielding the sceptre her husband's hands were too weak or indifferent to hold giovanna's son had followed his mother to the grave and the child of the slums who had been so fruitlessly smuggled into her palace had been legitimated the only thorn now left in her bed of roses was the enmity of the grand duke's brother the cardinal and her greatest ambition was to win him to her side in the autumn of seventeen eighty seven he was invited to florence and as the culmination of a series of festivities a grand banquet was given 
at which he had the place of honor at her right hand the feast was drawing near to its end bianca with sparkling eyes and flushed face looking lovelier than she had ever looked before was at her happiest for the cardinal had at last succumbed to her bright eyes and honeyed words it was the crowning moment of her many triumphs when life left nothing more to desire then it was at the supreme moment that tragedy in its most terrible form fell on the scene of festivity and mirth while bianca was smiling her sweetest on the cardinal she was seized by violent pains her mouth foams her face is distorted by agony she shrieks aloud that she is dying francesco tries to get to her aid but his steps are suddenly arrested he too is seized by the same terrible anguish a few hours later both she and he breathe their last breath poison was the word which ran through the palace and soon through florence from blanched lips to blanched lips some said it was the cardinal who had done the deed others whispered stories of a poison tart designed by bianca for the cardinal who refused to be tempted whereupon the grand duke had eaten of it and bianca seeing that her plot had so tragically miscarried seized the tart from her husband's hand and ate what was left of it the truth will never be known what we do know is that within a few hours of the last joke and the last drained glass of that fatal banquet the bodies of francesco and bianca were lying in death side by side in an adjacent room the door of which was locked against the eyes of the curious even against the physicians in the solemn lying in state that followed bianca had no place francesco alone by his brother's orders wore his crown in death as for bianca her body was hurried away and flung into the common vault of san lorenzo with the light of two yellow wax torches to bear it company and the jibes and jeers of florence for its only requiem End of chapter 16